With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Geekish Cast Comic Commentary with Jeremy and Paul. Episode 2, The Dark Knight Triumphant. Welcome back to Geekish Cast Comic Commentary. I'm Jeremy, and I'm joined by... Paul Vieira. How you doing there, Paul? Good, Jeremy. How are you? Doing well, thank you. So, we're having to take a second stab at tackling the second book of the Dark Knight, uh, Ri- or Dark Knight Returns series. Take two, right? <laughs> take two. So, it'll be, yeah, book two, take two. Uh, this is the Dark Knight Triumphant. Um, before we get started, Paul, anything you want to throw out there about the Dark Knight Returns or this book in particular before I start the synopsis? Uh, this is probably my favorite one issue out of the four, to be honest. It's just, uh, I think it's just because down the road there's some things that irk me a little bit as a Superman guy. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, this one's just, I mean, it's just excellent. You see Batman fail and you see him overcome. Typical stuff, but, I mean, it's just super well written. The art's amazing. I just love this issue. Yeah. This is a very good one. Like you're saying, it is one where Batman's initial attempt at something does not go well. But Batman, being Batman, figures out a way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the book starts, um, there's a new gang in Gotham. And they are vicious, mean, and kind of Mad Max-inspired. They're called the Mutants. Through some of Batman's investigations, he discovers there has been an army general giving them or selling them military-grade equipment. Yeah. When Batman... Oh, go ahead. That's, that's, you're jumping ahead a little bit, though. Oh, I am a little bit, because there's the, there's the kidnapping. Kidnapping Carrie Kelly's first uh, tryout as Robin. Well, then, okay, you know what? Because I'm going, I tried to reassemble my notes from last time, yeah. and so, yeah, I jumped right over that part. I mean, I'd like the so, second um, page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right, it is. So, anyways, okay. well, Paul, then you take us. Let's skip that, and we'll go back to you run us through the, the start of it. Okay, so, yeah, the very beginning, I mean, it opens up on Jim Gordon. Um, you know, he, he's just basically, he's coming to terms with his um, retirement because it's right around the corner. Um, he gets he meets one of the mutants, like you said. Uh, it doesn't turn well. <laughs> it doesn't turn out good for the mutant, and um, he basically... Uh, kills the mutant, which is a, basically a little kid. But then it goes um, to uh, Carrie. She buys the Robin costume, and then she's going to go out and uh, be Robin at this point. So she goes out in there in the ledge and does her thing. Uh, <laughs> almost kills herself, but she wants to be Robin. More news stuff about the mutants, and then, like you said, it goes right into uh, the. Um, kidnapping of the Wrigley fortune little kid and that's when it gets good if you want to we want to jump in with Batman stopping that 
in his uh, our question about what Batman does when he rescues the little the little kid, which is somewhat questionable in the gun issue. Yeah, and so that absolutely um, Batman picks up a machine gun, like a full scale M sixty machine gun. Yeah, and pulls the trigger. <laughs> and pulls the trigger, and. Um, I mean, I guess it's left up to the reader to decide, did Batman just gun that dude down or not? But it sure looks like Batman just gunned a dude down. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's what they want you to believe. I think that's what Frank wants you to believe. Like, oh, man, he's really uh, lost at this point. But I think later on the issue, he kind of, like, settles, you know, puts our mind at ease when he he talks about his one golden rule and he, he doesn't break it. So that after I read that, I'm like, okay, he clearly just yeah. um, maimed the person, uh, but he still uses a gun. Like, you know, in the books that I remember reading about Batman, he was adamant, like, we don't use guns. Not only does he not kill, like, he is so anti-gun, it's not even funny. Yeah, and he he even says, and it's the first book, but he says in there, a gun is a coward's weapon. Yeah. But, now, to be fair, in that book, he says that about three pages before he uses a rifle to shoot a gra- grappling round yeah. and swing down. So, maybe he means specifically when a gun is used to kill a yeah. human being. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of context that can be picked yeah, up absolutely. there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's anti-gun, but I think, you know, he's basically just churning the gun on these people that use guns. You know, it's like, it's not like his primary weapon. But I thought it was interesting, and I don't know if how much thought Frank put into that, but I think he probably, I think he was doing it to trick us a little bit to be like, man, because the whole time we're thinking like, is Batman insane? You know, like has he just given up his, his ideology and just said the hell with it. And I'm just going to go. I mean, cause he, he, he gets pretty close to the edge in this book. Like he's, it's all out war for him. So, Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, I can't put myself in Frank's brain, but I think it was intentional to make us guess like, did he just kill this person? Yeah. Well, and like, you know, like like I was saying, like you're pointing out, they really leave it off the page. Yeah. They they show him pull the gun, and then they show him, like, you know, kind of hold the kid a little bit closer and take off, basically. Because right after that, they go, they're, they're go they jump right into the media, and then there's the whole mm-hmm. argument with, you know, um, some people on the street, and Lana Lane, and, you know, and the uh, Dr. Wolfer saying, just talking about... Is he crazy? You know, he's just ruthless, vigilante. He's doing whatever he wants. And then some people are like, no, he's a hero. So it's interesting. Right after we're questioning Batman's tactics, they jump into questioning Batman's tactics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, let me, Paul. What's your what's your take on Batman in this book? Is he crazy? Is he a hero? Where do you where do you come at it from? Well, I've always thought Batman was crazy. Like, well, to dress up like a giant yeah, fucking bat and run around the city, right. you're off, yeah. He's obsessive. Like, there's no doubt. Like, he has an obsession, and he's never going to stop. Like, he's no, going to die wearing not. the cowl, you know? And, you know, he's a little bit crazy. But yeah. there's a method he, I, to his madness is the thing. <laughs> yeah, I would even say it's more than just a little bit. I mean, he's definitely, definitely crazy. Well, you know, define crazy, but he's... He's not stable. No, I'll, mean, just, I'll just put it that way. Put it into like I guess like uh, terms like it's, it's, he has P, like severe PTSD from that. Oh, incident. absolutely. And that's all he knows now. That's all he, it's consumed his life. Yeah. So that's not a normal. I would say that's not a healthy. He doesn't have a healthy mental. <laughs> you know. Speed. No, he does not. 
Absolutely not. But yeah, he's always been crazy. But he's awesome. He's Batman. <laughs> but but for him it works. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. All right. So then, sorry, and I, I jumped through those pages. Batman, after getting a tip off from that kidnapping case. Yes. That's where he discovers that a general has been arming the mutants. Um, yeah. And, well, yeah, uh, tip off from that, and then he, he basically question, questions the uh, one of the mutants by doing yeah. this. In an awesome way. Yeah. He dangles him down from the Twin Towers of Gotham upside down from a rope. Yeah, and I love how they constantly, um, you know, his inner narrative, which is a great narrative uh, that Frank did in writing this. The narrative's not like, and then Batman does. No, it's Batman's head in Batman's mm-hmm. head. I love that. Uh, he, he, they always bring up just how hard it is for him to do what he's doing. Like, they're reminding him that this Batman's like 60 years old. No, I don't think he's actually quite that old, but I, but I think he is like 50, 50 to 55. Yeah, he, he's old, and he drags this guy up to the highest highest tower in Gotham. And yeah. I just love the the, the the quote, the scream alone is worth it. <laughs> um, I, I love my favorite part in this particular scene is when you realize that it's going from a black panel and what you're seeing is Batman's fingers yep. uncovering yep. the guy's eyes so he can look down. Yeah, he's just covering him with his hand. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, and then yes. Carrie's doing her... Uh, <laughs> Her attempt at crime fighting. Yes. Breaking up the three-card money games and hitting people with slingshots. Breaking it up with firecrackers and stuff. Yeah. It's, There's some great great stuff in there. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's so funny that she starts out as, it's just like a child's, like, imagination. Like, I'm going to be this little, she's playing dress-up at the beginning. Oh, absolutely. She goes from that to, like, just straight up, like, war, like, overnight. It's yeah. crazy. Well, you know, and it, also that kind of makes me think of because um, you're you're always quick to point out the narrative device in the scene and, and put some thought into it. Carrie's parents and their anti-fascist statements yeah. regarding Batman um, also kind of set they kind of set a mood, so you could see where this girl's going to come in and should be more afraid of this seven foot tall vampire character who's a total fascist. But she's not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think she's uh, just, you know, typical kid. Just some of it's just rebelling against her parents. Yeah. But they don't. They absolutely. don't even realize she's gone. No. Well, they're they're busy, you know, being dope yeah. smoking leftists, and you know how Frank Miller feels about those. Yeah. <laughs> He's not a big fan. <laughs> and I think they uh, they even say like, "Don't don't we have a kid?" <laughs> like when she yeah. takes off. Sometimes I don't know where Frank sits. Like. He's not. He he's definitely mocks the. Extre- I think he just mocks extremes on both sides. It does feel that way. Which I mean, it's a pretty good viewpoint to have. Like if you're extreme on either side. Oh yeah. No, no. I well, you know, I don't really like to talk politics in regards to this, but I believe that you should vacillate between hard left and hard right, and then stick to the things in the middle that work best. Yeah, and this. I mean, but this book is, you know, riddled with political. Especially for the time in the eighties, like oh, absolutely. He definitely uses the absolutely. political narrative of the time in this book. Yeah, but also, like you've pointed out, the political narrative of that time fits real well with the media and political. Oh my gosh, narrative I mean, of this I mean, time. You might as well. I mean, this media is like Fox News and MSNBC. Yeah, like right out of the, it's. It's crazy. I mean, I guess it's just been that way, and we just. 
I guess uh, our, we have short-term memories when it comes to the media. Yep. And you know, here's kind of an interesting question. Let's go ahead and we'll let's leave or let's hold on to the right versus left spectrum of politics. Mm-hmm. Where do well, just superheroes in general? Where do they fall on that? Do you think? I think it just just depends on the the hero. Think it depends on the hero. Yeah, I mean, you got the classic Civil War situation mm-hmm. where um, you could have swore that Captain America would have gone to the the uh, governmental side of that, but he didn't. So it just depends on uh, the situation. I mean, but Superman's always been all about the American dream and you know, red, white, and blue. And I think he was more prone to follow what his the leaders of the country. Yeah, but see, here's here's kind of the interesting thing to me. Superman always comes out in my head, and I, I would say more often when I read him than not, very left-leaning on most things. Whereas Batman yeah. comes off so hardcore right-wing that he is a fascist. Mm-hmm. But but then you take that and you take. Normally, we see people who are pro-government or who you know fall you know God God and country mm-hmm. are usually right-wing, and people who question the government, especially at this point in history, yeah. were left-wing. But that flip-flops on them. Yeah, it's, I've always thought Batman and Superman uh, were interesting in that in that that way because um, Superman is an illegal alien mm-hmm. and he's a poor person. And he's taking person. jobs away from uh, taking jobs away from American writers. Yeah. yeah you know, and yeah. so you'd think he'd be more, uh, and he's worse in the media, you know, so you'd assume like, okay, he's more of a left leaning guy, which is, but he's, he's not, he seems to always fall towards like, going siding with the government and stuff like that. And then Batman is this one percenter rich white guy <laughs> that scream should scream like, you know, a hardcore Republican, but he's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's weird the dynamic of it. And I think that's great because you don't pigeonhole these characters. No, it does make them more interesting because they are much more varied than you would think. Yeah, and that's good because I mean people are so quick to, you know, put people in the you know little square pegs. Yeah, it's not the way well, here, Paul, are. <laughs> yeah, Paul, I'm going to set up the next scene, and you'll, you can kind of walk us through it, because it seems like you have a pretty good grasp on the visuals as well, and for, for me tonight, they're not hanging that well. So, Carrie, who we're going to refer to as Robin from this yep. point going okay, forward Robin. for a bit, overhears mutants discussing going to the meeting at the dumps. Yeah. And, and Batman, through his um, creative questioning routines also ends up headed that direction. Yeah. So, so in the meantime, yeah. that's like you were talking about. He, he goes and sees the general. Right. Yeah. So he goes and sees the general. Sorry, I accidentally muted my mic when oh. I didn't mean to. Um, so he goes and sees the general, and uh, the general, uh, well, you know, to his credit, just shoots himself. Yeah, so uh, let me... Let me know your initial thoughts. So when I see this panel, it's it's because most of the panels, sixteen pages or sixteen panel pages, but then they yes. got this full page panel, and uh, they're talking about he shoots himself, but Batman's there and he hears and he's watching. Basically, he's listening to the general explain. So does Batman let him shoot himself? Does he talk to him? I mean, I was I had thought to think about this page for a while. You know what? Because <sighs> Batman could have stopped him. 
I, Paul, here's the thing. We see Batman stop guns going off all the time, especially in these four books. Yeah. And and I'll go ahead, we'll kind of treat Batman in these four books like his own character because it does stand apart from continuity a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we hadn't seen him knock a gun out of somebody's hand in this book, I would say, well, maybe not, maybe he's too far away. But in the in this story, we see him prevent gunfire. So my guess is he may have let him. Because so in my notes, like I wrote like the quote well, after he's he's listening to the general and he says, I almost asked him why. Mm-hmm. So he basically is just standing there, letting the general basically spill his soul out and kill himself in front of Batman. Is yeah. When I got it, like Batman just let him. Um, it's like uh, Batman begins, like, yeah, I don't have to, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either yeah. situation. And I think that's what it, he just let him uh, do his thing, the general there. But they do explain um, why the general did what he did as far as his wife being sick with some disease. Well, um, do they say it's cancer or do they just kind of let you think it's cancer? I don't um, really remember. Let me check my notes. Yeah. Uh, Hodgkin's disease. Hodgkin's, so lymphoma. Yeah, so. Okay. So that's why the so, general did what he did. So yep. I mean, they didn't just go with the easy route and he's just a corrupt, you know, money-hungry general. They yeah. actually put yeah, a person. So he, I mean, that's good. I like it when they they actually put like some humanity in the characters and not just because right. not everyone's just overly just evil. You know, there's usually a reason people do what they do. So it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't take long, but a couple panels to explain why people are doing what they're exactly. doing. Exactly. So that kind of makes sense. And then they go to, of course, uh, the discussion with the mayor and his his lackey. Can't remember the guy's name, but no. Oh. But um, about the new commissioner. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Okay, so the mayor is ready to appoint... Jim Gordon's getting ready to retire. He's in his 70s at this point, if not just 70, but he's up there in age. Um, And they have picked... This is the scene where they reveal that they've picked Yandel, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so the thing we definitely get is that while she might admire Jim Gordon's 50 years of service yeah. to the police department, she is not a fan of vigilantes. Yeah, she's totally upset. And then that's why, I mean, it's her stance on Batman. That's why they, they choose her. Yep. Because Batman's going yeah. out, of, you know, he's out of control. Well, they think he is at this point. Well, <laughs> he's about to get a little more out of control, I think, yeah. too. <laughs> right? Yeah. He doesn't care. Batman does not care. Nothing gets in his way. Nope. So, yeah, definitely at this point, Batman is a one-man war on anything in the city of Gotham he does not care for. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they, so he finds out about the weapons and uh, the war, and Batman decides to uh, match them. And he uh, grabs the trusty Batmobile and heads over to the dump. Yep. Okay, so the Batmobile now, and... um. This is a concept that most movie viewers will be slightly familiar with because of what Christian Bale's Batman drove in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. It is a military-grade yeah, vehicle. It's a freaking tank. It's got tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the one, in, yeah, the one here in the book is more so a military vehicle than the one Christian Bale drove. Yeah, it's got guns, turrets, and everything else that shoot rubber bullets on a yes. 
Swear to God, Swear to rubber God. bullets. And the God, Boy Scouts honor their rubber bullets. Yeah. And this thing must be the size of a Millennium Falcon <laughs> with all the room it's got inside. Yeah. No king, right? Yeah. It's like a small apartment in there. Yeah. So now there are the, this gang, the mutants, and literally these guys are just right out of Mad Max. Oh, yeah. They're. Yeah, they got spikes driven through their heads. They're shirtless, you know, steroid monsters with sharpened teeth and claws. Rob and Don are there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Rob and Don don't shiv. I love Rob and Don. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so they open fire on the Batmobile. The Batmobile opens fire on them, quickly depleting the numbers of your average rank-and-file mutants. And they're taking themselves out more than anything else. Yeah. It's just ricocheting off of them. Yeah, it's a severely armored vehicle. And we finally meet the the mutant leader. Yes. And Batman meets the mutant leader because Batman's ego gets the better of him. He does. It definitely does. And I love and I love this because he could have just took him out, you know? Rubber bullets took him out. But uh that's just not the way Batman is. He he sees this guy and uh he sees it as a test. You know, am I am I actually back? Uh, I'm having a hard time doing everything I'm doing. Can I beat this guy. And he doesn't know. He does not know in that question. He's not, he doesn't, he's not going to bed with that question, question in his head. He has to know if he can beat this guy. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the movie lethal weapon three at all? Oh, not three. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. It was four. It's four that I'm thinking. <laughs> but, but, but Bruce Willis uh, and uh, Samuel. No, 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 no. Uh, lethal weapon, lethal weapon, oh, lethal weapon. Sorry. Not that. Yeah. There's jet Lee's in it and he's playing a villain who's oh, just, yeah, yeah beat the shit out of Mel Gibson once or twice. And then finally they get down to the end of the movie and Mel Gibson just turns to uh, Murdoch and he's like, I, I gotta find out. I gotta go one more time. Got it. And that's this guy. Somehow this pig devil that lives in the dump outthinks Batman. Mm-hmm. Literally goads him into yeah. dropping his advantage and stepping outside and having his bat ass handed to him. Yeah. And thankfully, Robin is there. Yeah. Yeah, because you know what, guys? If if Robin hadn't been there, there, there was no getting out of this. There would only Batman. be two issues in this story. <laughs> yeah. And this book would have needed a different title. Yeah, and they're you know, and he's thinking about Dick Grayson at the time, you know, and just wondering, like, man, I really could use Robin. And then, lo and behold, she shows up. There she is, yeah. Uh, this is the first time there was ever a female Robin in the story. Yep. Um, as a matter of fact, in regular Batman continuity at this point, Jason Todd was still alive. Yes. Yeah, but it, and and obviously in this story, as we I think we mentioned in the last the last issue. Yep. Um, that's the reason why Batman retired. Was Jason's death? Yeah, Jason's death. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess for anybody who doesn't know Batman at all, Jason was the second Robin. I guess now there's been 50 of them, so it doesn't really count like it used to. They're, but they're about to get a new one, too, with the rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Yeah. <laughs> so Robin loads Batman's slumpy, bleeding-to-death carcass into the Batmobile. Yeah. And... um they start to head back. You know, it's either on autopilot or, or Alfred's driving it from Batcave. Yeah, before they go to the Batcave, it cuts to uh, our first hint of another character in this story, which is uh, Superman. Yes, I'm sorry, Paul. Walk us through that one. So it's, that real, is important. it's real quick. It's just um, uh, it just breaks. So she loads him in, and then it just cuts to 
a conversation with the president um, and uh, Superman. Well, we don't know it's Superman again until like the end because the flag turns into the S. Right. So just talking about him, just talking about going and doing something to talking to his buddy, Batman, uh, even though he doesn't like, because at this point, um, something in the past happened where there are no more superheroes. Right. We don't know what yet. We don't know what. All we know is that something went down and the government said, all right, you guys got to go. Yep. We know there's a reason Batman retired, and it might be a bigger reason just than Jason's yeah, death true. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but well, Batman's, apparently, yeah, Superman sticks around. I was going to say, apparently Superman's got enough clout that he's hanging out in the Oval Office. He makes a deal. He sells out, apparently. Yeah. Um, and Batman's not a big fan of that, but, I mean, Superman wants to... Yeah. He, he can't not help people, so he makes a deal, whether that's a good or bad deal. Um, That'll come out in the wash. Yeah. But uh, it, well, you know what? Hold on. Let's let's pause right there for a second because up until now, yeah. in the in the comics, Superman and Batman are besties. Oh yeah, and then during this time in the eighties, during the six during the fifties, sixties, seventies. Yeah, I mean all the way through. Yeah, whether we're talking the comic books or the animated shows on Saturday mornings, when we see Batman and Superman, they're best pals. They're old buddies. Hell, they used to dress up like each other to throw That's off their true. girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, Lois is about to figure out who I am. Bruce, I need you to dress up like Superman, you know, and they would do it. Yeah, and this is why, Frank, I mean, Frank Miller mm. does this. I mean, he sees this, and, like, you got two guys that are totally, completely, I mean, their ideology sure. cannot be more different. Like, right. they should have more disagreements than they were having. Yep. So Frank Miller takes credit for breaking Batman and Superman up. And Batman and Superman stay broken up for a good 15, 20 years after this. They, they, every time they're written after this point, they are either first at each other's throats or in disagreements yeah. or always at a disagreement with each yeah. other. But I think they so, play well. I mean, Batman and Superman, the, the Batman Superman books, when they especially mm-hmm. when they got relaunched with Jeff Loeb writing it. And, well, that's and that's and, where they started to soften it. Yeah, but it's great. Yeah. I I love it. Yeah, but I mean, even some of the best things that have come out of comics in the last fifteen years mm-hmm. build off of that. Batman keeps an Excel file of how to defeat the Justice <laughs> <Yeah>. League. <laughs> yeah, I remember that comes out of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, he should have used better encryption on it, but <laughs> yeah. What the it hell? is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that cat's out of the bag. Yeah, so they he talks to him into going to talk to Batman. So that's the initial start of that. And then it doesn't get touched on again until later, but um that was just it was just a real quick but then they go back to the Batmobile and their yep. drive back and uh, now in here Batman reveals a little something to Robin as well. Yes. Um it's so really quickly too, but I guess that's the and Batman really quick to meet someone saying, Okay, like you're the one, yeah. Yeah, he basically just asks her what's her name, and she, you know she says Carrie Kelly, and then Robin, so I'm Robin, and then he says mine's Bruce. Yep, and Alfred shits yeah. a brick. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. And Alfred should be like 150 years old at this point, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, depending on how you go about. Well, we definitely know he's not well because he is very old. Um, but we don't really see, besides him being kind of bitchy, we don't really see any evidence yeah. of that until the very yeah. end. Um, 
So now they're headed back to the Batcave, mm-hmm. where Batman's going to get patched up. And again, regarding the size of the Batmobile, there's a there's a fucking mobile hospital in the back of this thing. Oh yeah, of course. And yeah, and it's got a, it's got because he got stabilizers yeah. and he's yeah. got the coolest toys. Yeah. yeah, everything in there's like gyroscope mounted and nothing bounces and everything's stable and he, he'll be cool. We're getting to where we're going. You can have a big naked hug with Batman when we get there. So we're driving to the Batmobile. Uh, mutants are arrested. Mutant leader calls him out and says he beats Batman. It's the oh. world. <clears throat> you know, I wish we had that quote because that is a great one. Uh, oh, about killing him and dragging his body through the streets oh, yeah. so his women will cry yeah. out of chest. Yeah, I love how that. they always <clears throat> talk about, the, they always bring up the women. Just yeah. Take your women, you're going to cry to your women. Well, don't you think <clears throat> that probably grows out of Conan's, that quote in Conan the Barbarian? You know the one I'm talking about. Well, at the beginning when he's being trained and somebody goes, what is best in life? Oh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, you know, to see your enemies driven before you, to hear the... What is it? To crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, to hear the lamentation of their women. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. No, it's it's a great quote. It was actually... That quote, it was actually said, they believe, by Genghis Khan. Oh, really? Yeah. That was a legit quote that that is attributed to Genghis Khan. learned something today. Oh, yeah. No problem. I always love to talk world conquerors. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and also they um, the little they do a quick Joker. They're trying to set up the Joker's uh, mm-hmm. just the dumbest idea of all time. But anyways, uh, about Joker going on a talk show. Well, yeah, uh, the Dave Endicott show. <laughs> Dude, I mean, you'd think when someone just said, "Hey, we're thinking about putting Joker on a talk show," like that should have been the end of that conversation. Well, here, here's the thing. The next question should have been, should have been aren't you the guy that just got Harvey Dent released? Yeah. How the, how well that work out? How'd that go? It was Batman's fault. Yeah. So they are. They're, they're slowly building. So the Joker went from catatonic in the last book. And then as soon as he hears Batman's on the move, yeah, he, he says, Batman, Batman, darling. Yeah. And then he's, he's coming back little by little. Well, that's the thing. And, that, I mean, Joker's... His existence relies on Batman. Well, couldn't you almost say that, much like Yin and Yang, yeah. they need each other? Yeah, I guarantee you. I, I, does it ever? Does it ever say why Joker went catatonic and he stopped? I'll bet you. I'll bet it you. It's, it's never said, but I bet you it's retirement when, when Batman quit yeah, showing what's up. The point. Yeah. Take all the fun out of the job. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, he quit. Joker quit. He's back. Yep. Of course, Joker's, Joker's come back. back. Yeah, it's time to have some yeah. fun again. Exactly. Yeah. So we're we're starting to head towards the uh, the the backside of this one, and I got to get running here pretty quick. So if we end up rushing a little yeah. bit, I apologize. But they get to the back cave, uh, and then so um, <clears throat> the back cave. So they finally make it to the back cave, uh, but then they go into um, the. Uh, the vigilante, uh, Batman's bringing out vigilanteism, and mm-hmm. so with the porn shooting and the thug who goes after his boss, and then just the regular guy, um, just beating up one of the mutants that's attacking this woman. So it's yeah. coming out. It's starting to slowly. Other people are starting to emulate Batman. Right, and these are scenes that very much harken back to Taxi Driver as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, even if even if it's not right on the nose. These are very much like De Niro and Taxi Driver, all three of these characters we're talking about here. 
to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also a classic argument that gets brought up in comic books all the time, that escalation. If you have, you know, mm-hmm. if you have Batman, don't you get, what is it, Travis Binkle? What is his name? Oh, we'll, yeah, don't, don't worry about <laughs> it, but if you have Daredevil, don't you get Frank Castle? Yeah. You know, if you have fire, don't you need water? Yeah. If you have foot, does not a scrotum need kick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. you know, they always bring this up that there wasn't these types of criminals until Batman showed up. Uh, yeah, uh, and that you know, and that's a little bit true. Like he brought the theatrics to it, but uh, but there's slowly people are coming out, and then uh, it goes to I think it, then it jumps to uh, I, I like this because the people the people are. Uh, starting to gain hope. Like yes. The like the police and the mayor and they they haven't found that hope. So they're they're gonna they they're still holding on to fear. So they come up with this great idea. Well, we're gonna negotiate with the mutant leader. Yeah. And that does not end well for the mayor. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and get, let's go with that because the mutant leader's in custody, and so are a whole bunch of the mutants who were shot up with rubber yeah. bullets and their own bullets at the dump. They have him in custody, and they decide, well, now that we got him where we want him, let's walk in with our hat in our hands and ask him what he wants. They're still scared. Yeah. Shitless. They are pissing down their legs like a dog. Um, And this is actually, this starts going into one of my favorite things. So, the mutant leader, who we know is a bit of a badass, (laughs) snaps his handcuffs. Dude could have got out whenever the hell he wanted. And then he kills the mayor. And Jim Gordon's about to draw a beat on him and put him down, or at least try to. And he gets stopped. And he gets stopped. So afraid is everybody in this room of what this lunatic can do, the police won't even try to shoot him for fear of pissing him off. So this leads to Batman. I think Batman contacts Gordon, right, is how it turns out. But he has a plan. Yeah, he does. But can can we just stop for a second and talk about... Our, we've talked about this before uh, in our notes. Uh, the most awkward panel of all of Dark Matter Returns. <laughs> Are we talking that? Yeah, I know. Happen? Yeah, I know. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the one that I don't remember remembering when I first read it, but when I reread it again for you know, so we can talk about it. The naked hug, Batman naked well, hugging a 13 year old girl dressed well, you know, in a Robin costume. <laughs> Well, you know what I, I think probably part of it is now as well. <clears throat> you have a young child and a teenage child. Yeah, now. maybe that's why. And I bet <clears throat> it has changed your perspective. I bet if you had a daughter, it'd be even more. I would have thrown this computer out the window. <laughs> exactly. It would have been even more like, what the fuck, Bruce Wayne? You get your hands off that young lady right now. Yeah. I'm not afraid to throw this book in the fireplace. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so weird in Bruce's, and it, but in Bruce's head, it's not. That's how twisted his brain is. Like, yeah. he's, everyone else sees like, dude, what you're doing with these kids is not normal, but he doesn't see it that way. No, and this this goes back to the fascistic qualities of Batman. Whereas we see children in Robin, Batman sees child soldiers, soldiers to be trained and sent out. He has the word soldiers? I mean, uses yeah. that. Yep. Um, so do you think, was there something sexual? I know how you you personally feel about Batman, but do you feel this was something sexual, or do you I, feel I, this was... I, I don't. Not, no. I mean, I really don't. I think it it's just, I and mean, he doesn't, Batman doesn't think that way. Yeah. You know, he just happened to be naked. 
There are <laughs> things in there are things in later books that make me question their relationship yeah, later. Love you, yeah, you know, but I, I don't think it's a sexual thing. Yeah. I don't think Batman is a sexual person. <laughs> no, well, and not in this. Yeah, not in this. No, especially not. Yeah, in not this. in this. In other stories, been by other people. Yeah, but no. Yeah, it was Silver St. Clouds hanging yeah. around or something, yeah. Yeah, okay, so then you're right, he makes the deal. Let's go to the deal. All right, so it starts with the lights being killed in the jail. Yep. And then you hear doors unlock, and the mutant leader is free to slip his cage. And he finds a pathway. And Batman's got a great narrative during all this. I don't have it memorized. But he finds a a, a, a way out into a... It looks like a, a drainage yeah, ditch. Yeah, he's like talking the mutant leader out. Yeah. Like goading him out. Yeah. yeah. And so he is using on him what was used... He's using on the mutant leader what was used on him. Except for where the mutant leader was very bombastic, Batman's very... Yep. Coy, like, come to me, come, yeah. I'm right over here, you know you got, yeah, you know you got me. But Batman is now going to rely on his experience mm-hmm. and his environment, mm-hmm. whereas the mutant leader can just rely on brute strength and savagery and youth and speed. Yep, I mean, Batman prepared. It's yep. The, it preparation. And it's that classic... It's that classic argument. People go, well, Batman can't be Superman, but everybody you know will go, well, if he's got a half an hour to work it out, I think he can. Yeah. And so he took his time, he worked it out, and he's decided what he needs to beat him is to get rid of his speed advantage. Get rid of his advantages. And and he drops them both right into a mud puddle, a big, nasty, drainage-ditch mud puddle. They are now both sopping wet, covered in mud, and if you've ever tried to do anything while you're soaking wet or stuck to mud, you know you can't move well. And now Batman and that quote, which we had last time, but I don't have now. Paul, do you remember it about the surgeon? Oh, yeah, he said, um, I wrote it down here in my notes, um, this isn't a mud hole, it's an operating table, and I'm the surgeon. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's doing he's just picking them apart. Yep, he, take, he calls his shots. Yep. He he slams his arm to deaden the nerves in yeah. the deltoid, so it'll drop his arm to his side. He calls each one step by step. This is something I want to talk about for a second, because we know Batman traditionally has something against killing. Mm-hmm. And we had always seen, you know, through the 70s and 80s at this point, we'd never really seen him cripple a dude just to put an end to a fight, you know. We'd see him, you know, karate chop a yeah. guy in the neck to put him down or something. This Batman kicks a guy so hard in the stomach that it snaps his spine at one point. Yeah. This Batman has no problem at all breaking an elbow or a collarbone or putting somebody into shock to stop a fight. But it wasn't just to stop the fight, though. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. purpose of this, the whole plan, uh, when he asked Jim for that favor, it wasn't to... Like, they already had him. He knew he needed to just... Annihilate well, this guy. He needs to break him in front of, of yes. the mutants. So that's yeah. why he was so ruthless, and he just took, I mean, arm after arm after leg after leg, and showed and basically, uh, I guess, settled the argument between uh, Don and Rob because then the whole time in the <laughs> background they're they're debating about who's going to win. And, exactly. And, and that's what he did. He did it on purpose. It wasn't. Yep. It wasn't vengeance. It wasn't anger. It was. He needs to take this guy apart and just 
cripple him yeah, in front of his people. And it works. Yeah. Yeah, he had a message to send, and he had an audience to send the yeah, message the to. The audience was the key. Yep. So we know, so he's basically, both arms, both legs are incapacitated, whether broken or just the nerve damage is so cumulative and out of the way. I think he even goes on to snap the mutant leader's spine. Yeah, because he doesn't stop. The, yeah, because it leg. says something tells me to stop at the yeah. leg. Well, at this point, we've seen two arms and a leg yeah. go already. So if he doesn't stop at the leg, what's left? Yeah, I don't listen. He, he keeps going. Yeah. To me, that's going to be the spine. That's paralysis. Yeah. I'm reading into it a bit, but there we go. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So now at this point, the mutants seeing their leader broken in front of them, and I mean broken in front of them, yeah. some just walk away. Yeah. Some are done. That's jump ship. <laughs> yep. Like a bunch of rats off a sinking ship, they are just flat-ass done. But some of the others become the sons of Batman. Batman. They become yeah, they become a basically a, the version of the mutant gang who's decided they're going to go and cripple fucking <laughs> petty thieves on the yeah. street. And these are just, uh, just young guys and girls that just want someone to, to follow. They want to follow that alpha dog. Yep. And now they got and that's, a new that's one. it. Yeah. That's basically what they were looking for. They were looking for a leader to follow. Yeah, doesn't matter. And now they've got one. Yeah, they went from um, doing horrible things. I mean, we kind of glanced over a little bit, but you know, putting grenade in a woman's purse, you know, just for funsies, yes. and uh, just going out and terrorizing for no, for no reason, just absolute chaos. Just go out and yep. jack stuff up. To now going after those people. Like, just, I mean, completely 180 just to follow a certain person. Yeah. And so now we, we end the book. Jim Jim Gordon is getting ready to retire, which means Yandel is going to be taking over as police, police commissioner. Batman's favors with the police department are used up. Yep, no more. He has no more friends in the department. And from now on, he's not just fighting criminals, but he's fighting the cops as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, Batman turns, I mean... uh Gordon turns in his badge and his gun, and it mm-hmm. pretty much it not only is the end of Gordon's career, but that's the end of uh, his the Batman's hope. Yep. And so it's awesome because the last panel, uh, you see Batman smiling. Yeah. Because you know he says that you know a wolf howls and he's a lone wolf and he's he's on his own now and uh, he gets a kick out of it a little bit. Yep. And he couldn't be he happier. Couldn't be happier. So such a great so it, like couple panels to end the book. It's just like, just gives you a little bit, man. Batman's freaking crazy. Yep. Like, he should be nervous. No. The opposite. The only time you see him smile in this whole book is when, uh, when he's all on When he own. should be afraid, yeah. When he's, when he's totally... Well, he's well, not, not totally own, yeah, because he has his army now. He's like, I don't Yeah, he's got his him. army, he's got Robin, and he's still got Alfred. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so at that point... There we are. The Dark Knight is triumphant in this book. He took he took a loss and then came back and avenged himself upon the mutant leader, destroyed the mutant leader in front of his gang, put an end to their reign of terror. And that is book two of the Dark Knight right or the Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. And I, I think you're right, I think that is the best out of that one. Yeah, it, that that series of four. It does get I mean, it's still good. The rest is just my it's my favorite. And then, uh, but I'm excited to talk about uh, the next couple books because there's some silly stuff in there that's pretty fun. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm actually gonna have to spend a little more time on book three because that's one that's a lot deeper to go through again. Yeah, 
But um, all right, Paul, any parting words on the Dark Knight Triumphant? No. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, please do, because we just briefly <laughs> talked about it. Oh, yeah, we, we haven't even scratched the surface in these 40-some-odd minutes. And lots of spoilers, but still, we don't do it justice. No, not at all. Um, all right, then. Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up. Paul, I'll get a hold of you later this week so we can uh, set up a time to talk about book three. Okay, brother. All right, man. Take care. We'll see, we'll see you soon. And thank you guys for joining us. You can find us at geekishcast.com. We are at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast. We'll see you soon. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.